happy 2021 to everybody. These aren't as new as you guys think it is. I just need to wear them today. I'm wearing them more and more. David Shepard says that I'm getting addicted to them. He might be telling the truth. How are you guys doing today? Good. Aren't you glad to be in 2021? Woohoo! Some of you need more excitement in your life, I'm just saying. Um, I am Pastor Jeremy Bannister. I am so glad to be with you guys today. Every year, at the beginning of the year, we try and do a kind of casting of vision for 2021. Sometimes it's Mark, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's me and Mark together. Uh, this year it kind of fell on me. Um, and. It fell on me for a couple of reasons. No, number one is 2020 has been a, a crazy year and it has kind of readjusted what kind of expectations we might have for 2021, right? Um, I want to kind of review a little bit of 2020. Not the bad stuff. We've heard the bad stuff. And Noah, I share your sentiment more than you realize. Um, but I, I look forward to, to sharing with you some of the great things that happened in 2020 in spite of of what all was going on. You guys realize that last year we made a goal of getting a sign, and while it took a little bit longer than what we had hoped our original timeline would have been, we got the sign up there. It's out there. We have an opportunity to display more things that we do at Heights to attract people into this place to hear about the gospel and get connected into community. That's a great thing. Don't you guys think? 2020, guess what else happened? We said, uh, we said goodbye to a phenomenal worship leader in Diane who worked for 20 years here at Heights. And at the same time, we started seeing new people coming up and one of those groups leading us today here, we got more than one, and it's just awesome to see how We've seen our worship team step up in the midst of this transition and change. And I think that's a huge praise. Don't you guys think? I think another huge praise is this idea that although fellowship has been harder to get to, we've had to be a lot more creative. I mean, uh, you know... I think as of May of this past year, at least Heights became televangelist, you know, like everybody else, right? We became televised. We're, we're on, online right now, all of you guys watching online. This happened because of, of the stressfulness of this past year, right? Where we're trying to create community opportunities. Actually, it happened back in March. It didn't even happen in May. Um, and so we have provided more opportunities for us to reach out. We could use these videos. We could say, hey, if there was a great sermon, we could actually tag somebody else in the broadcast and send that out to them as a way of outreach. We have more opportunities now to reach out than we ever have before. I think that that's amazing. And all those things happened in the midst of 2020. We finished all the historical books of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. We went through Joshua to Esther together, and then we went through Luke and Acts, or as Pastor Mark would say, Luke-Acts, you know, the two-volume set. We did all of that together as a, as a congregation. We're going to, this year, step into the wisdom literature, and it's going to be amazing. This is all that we did last year. That's a lot of stuff, don't you guys think? That's amazing of the things that we were able to do in 2020, despite the craziness that 2020 was. 2021, usually, like I told you at the beginning, um, Mark and I would sit down and we would confer, and we would sit down with the elders, and we would say, these are our goals, this is what we want to do. But honestly, it's a very big and moving target. If you asked us right now, I don't think that we could tell you, like, specifically, we want this, we want this, we want this. We know we're going to go through the wisdom literature, so that's one thing we're absolutely going to do together. But outside of that, everything's still a moving target, which has made it hard for us to sit here and say, these are our plans for this year. 
I think Mark would agree with that because we just haven't. We're like, this is supposed to be our vision. How are we going to cast it? Oh, no, we haven't had a chance to sit down yet to talk about any of these things. Um, and so there's some challenges that are there. But I want to share with you some, uh, some optimism uh, as well as some realism uh, as, as we approach 2021. Uh, the optimism is this, and I mean this wholeheartedly. Because I believe that the church right now and last year and coming into this year, we're being tested. We're being tested in a way that many of us who have been Christians for 30 years haven't been tested in this way before. We really haven't. I can't remember a time that we've been tested the way that we have in the last year. I'm sure many of you can't. Those of you who are older might be able to remember times that were just as hard or harder. Um, but we can't. And so I think that there's a crucible that we're going through as Christians to sharpen us for what God is really planning for us. And those of us who learn these lessons are going to come out the other side of this much more prepared to do what God has planned for us to do all along, which is to share the hope of Jesus Christ to a hurting world around us. Okay? So that's the hope. I'm serious. I think that's the silver lining we can look at through all that we're going through is that if we hold on, we keep our eyes on Jesus during this time, we learn the lessons that are being placed before us, we're going to come out stronger. We really are. I believe that with all of my heart. I really do. But it's taken a toll on us, let's be honest. And it's going to take some fortitude and perseverance on our part as believers in Jesus Christ to see that through. I want to read to you guys an article by Natasha Crane. Some of you may have read this article. If you've uh, taken any of the links that, that I have suggested over the years, you might have already seen this article. Um, but I want, to, I want to look at this article pretty much in its entirety. I'll skip uh, just a couple of paragraphs uh, from it. But she sets up, in my opinion some of the obstacles for us accomplishing God's will in 2021. And I want you guys to, to listen and, th and think. She lists out five things here. And ask yourself if you've been affected by these five things back in 2020 and how that's going to affect you stepping forward in 2021. The article is titled, Disagreement Fatigue in 2020. How the events of the year will shape Christian interactions in 2021 and beyond. There's no disagreement on one thing in 2020, that it was a year filled with disagreements. Of course, disagreement is a kinder, gentler word for much of the chaotic, nasty, and sometimes violent conflict that we saw as our culture responded to a worldwide pandemic, racial injustice, and the presidential election. Through the transparency of social media, people drew battle lines and fought. With the wars leaving wounds on friendships, family, family relationships, church relationships, and more. Christians certainly weren't immune to this, and in many cases, these wars were most heated within the body of Christ. By all accounts, it's been a devastating year of conflict, and we're all tired from it. But I've noticed a concerning pattern of response to perceived conflict in recent weeks, particularly on social media. Fatigue has led many Christians to avoid any kind of disagreement. After a year like 2020, that perhaps sounds like a good idea to some, but disagreement is not inherently a bad thing. From a Christian perspective, we can certainly disagree in bad ways with wrong motivation or hurtful words. But disagreement is often both good and important. We can't be salt and light to a decaying and dark world when we're continually afraid we'll offend someone by merely expressing something that is at odds with their view. And I'm concerned that disagreement fatigue of 2020 will shape how Christians interact with each other and with the secular culture for a long time to come. Here are five things I expect to see in the coming months, if not years. Number one. More Christians will be hesitant to speak publicly about their faith. There are already too few Christians willing to speak publicly about their faith before 2020. 
Over the last few years, our culture has increasingly viewed Christianity in a negative light, and many Christians have preferred to keep their faith private rather than have to engage on difficult subjects. To date, biblical teachings on sexuality and gender identity were the key drivers of negative perceptions in mainstream culture. But with the popular rise of critical race theory in 2020, people began viewing all of Christianity as part of an oppressive Western system that must be dismantled. With woke America firmly placing Christianity in the oppressor column, Christians must now not only grapple with a couple of big sexuality topics, but also with believing something seen as oppressive in its entirety. And if Christians were hesitant to share their views publicly before 2020, many more will certainly go into hiding now. Disagreement fatigue will likely discourage them from even wanting to get more educated on new hot topics because they aren't willing to enter the fray anyway. It's far easier to retreat to private Bible study and virtual church. Number two, many Christians will be misled by the appeal of a seemingly harmonious progressive Christianity. In progressive Christianity, there's typically a lowered view of the Bible. Essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation, and the heart, uh, historic terms are redefined, and the heart of the gospel shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. This is the form of Christianity found in many of the mainline denominational churches today. And for those who are tired of conflict, progressive Christianity is particularly appealing because it removes pretty much everything that's potentially offensive from the Christian faith. Passages that don't fit cultural moral consensus excuse me, just redefine the nature of the Bible. A bloody sacrifice for sin just redefine what the cross was really about. Exclusivity of truth claims just redefine Jesus' words so everything boils down to some ethereal concept of love. For those who are especially fatigued by the biblical, social, and political disagreements within the church, Progressive Christianity will look like a gentle mother hen waiting to comfort tired hearts under wings of peaceful harmony. In reality, it's a great deception. This is a time when churches preaching biblical truth need to rise up and equip congregations with an understanding of what the historic Christian faith is, how it differs from the teachings of progressive Christianity, and why there's good reason to believe that the historic Christian faith is true. Number three. Christians will increasingly see apologetics as a contributor to unhealthy disagreement. Apologetics, how we make a case to defend the truth of Christianity, is already something viewed with with suspicion in a lot of Christian churches. And while many Christians, unfortunately, still don't know what apologetics is, those who do often think of it as some kind of aggressive debate with non-believers. It couldn't be further from the truth. Apologetics is simply a reasoned defense of the faith which we're called to do with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15 Not only is it biblical, it's crucial, it's crucial in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. Our society thinks that Christianity is not only false in many of its claims, but also morally wrong. It's the task of apologetics to show, out of love for our neighbor, that Christianity is both true and beautiful. But for those who are fatigued by any type of disagreement, apologetics couldn't possibly be seen as less appealing. Unfortunately, many people are looking for easy harmony rather than the knowledge to help them better engage when there's an opportunity to do so. More than ever, the task of apologists will be about convincing Christians that apologetics matters and is worth engaging in. For those who are already ready to learn, the resources are already available, but 90% of the battle is helping Christians see that these, sometimes uncomfortable, conversations are worth having because they're of eternal importance. Jesus didn't tell us to stop finding effective ways to make disciples of all nations just because we're tired of cultural disagreements. Number four, belief in a generic God will continue to be acceptable in the culture, but belief in Jesus as God will become increasingly uncool. 
None of what I've said so far should be taken to imply that Christians will be hesitant to show any display of faith. In general, secular culture isn't inherently opposed to a person having some kind of privately held belief in the supernatural. A personal belief in a generic God who hasn't revealed himself in any kind of specific way is perfectly at home under the secular umbrella because it requires little from a person in how they view matters of public interest. In fact, it requires nothing other than what a person decides it requires, given that they're not submitting to any kind of binding revelation. That's why a celebrity can thank God for something in passing without much notice. But if they were to talk about their love for Jesus and or declare their view that the Bible is the authoritative word of God, they would be mercilessly attacked. Secular culture can readily accommodate a generic God who requires nothing, but not a specific one who requires everything. This is why I don't think disagreement fatigue will lead Christians going silent about all things faith-related. General God statements, prayers for you, God loves you, thanking God for my blessings today, will continue to be safe and used because they aren't specific enough to offend anyone but the most ardent atheist. Number five, tired Christian parents will underestimate culture's pull on their children. This has been a particularly tiring year for parents who've had to navigate enormous changes with their kids schooling on top of everything else. Many parents are struggling on a day-to-day basis, and neither the parents nor the kids have the energy in the evening for deep conversations about the intersection of faith and culture. Perhaps you read that my last point and wondered when you'd fit conversations like those into your day. It's totally understandable. But while the average family is struggling to stay afloat, culture is going adrift at breakneck speed, whether parents feel they have the energy and the desire to address it with their kids or not. After the events of this year, public education in particular will be even more bathed in woke ideology, historical revisionism, and sexual agendas. Given that the vast majority of Christian families have their kids in public schools, there'll be a secular pull on Christian families like never before. Parents may be tired right now, but we can't let that fatigue make us weary of fighting for our kids. They need our guidance on how to disagree well with the world around them from a biblical perspective. Friends, 2020, excuse me, friends, 2021 is not the year to succumb to 2020-induced disagreement fatigue. It's a time to speak boldly when the opportunities arise. Yes, we're all tired, but it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. May we rest in that more than we rest in our desire to avoid godly disagreement. How many of you relate to one or more of those points, those five points that were there? I do, totally. And yet, I think she hits the nail on the head, doesn't she, of what all of us feel. We're going into 2021, and those things really haven't changed, but they've affected us profoundly in ways that we don't even recognize or realize. You know, Pastor Mark came in. I love what he did. I love Noah's testimony. Didn't even know he was going to mention that. I thought that was totally awesome. Right up the alley of what we're talking about today. God putting together all of this is pretty awesome. So Mark goes over our mission statement. Love God. Love God's people. Love serving God. The title of the, if you want to even call it a sermon today, I, I call them uh, uh, probably a, a talk of loosely connected points, probably. But the title of my talk of loosely connected points is that the Great Commission is still our commission. Now, it doesn't change no matter what. It's actually the reason why we have our mission statement the way that it is. Love God, love God's people, love serving God comes actually from the Great Commission. You may not think so, but it totally does. This is when we talked about this many years ago, when we made this our mission statement, it came with the understanding that the Great Commission has to undergird exactly what it is because that's all of our commission. That doesn't go away. That's for every believer. That's what we're supposed to do. And yet this year we've, we've found it pretty hard to keep that mission statement of our church intact. We've, we've been very creative. We've worked in creative ways, but it's been hard. 
I have no problem saying that. Love God, having us all meet together on a Sunday morning. This idea of community is important, and yet it's been challenged, and in some cases shattered because of 2020. And I know that it's affected me personally, and I know it's affected many of you personally. And I want to share from a pastoral perspective something that that may catch you guys off guard, and and it's not meant to seem alarmist or, or overly emotional. I know I've been very passionate as this year has gone on. And some may mistake the passion for anger, and it's not. I'm angry at the situation. I'm not angry at the people. I'm angry at Satan using the current thing to divide us as a people, to get our eyes off of Jesus. And so I want to share as a pastoral perspective how love God within our community at Heights has been supremely affected by 2020. See, I'm not just a pastor of the church. I'm a member of the church. I'm part of the community of the believers in Jesus Christ. Mark is not just the pastor of the church. He's part of the community of the believers in Jesus Christ. We take our role as shepherds seriously. And this year has really fractured the idea of loving God because we define it as coming together in community. The only thing that binds us together is our pursuit of God in community. And there are many of you who have not come back to the church. This isn't a guilt trip. I'm not trying to guilt you. But I want to share with you on how that lack of presence has affected me and Mark. Because some of you at home might be fine being where you're at. But those Sundays where we come in, when we think about 2019, let's go all the way back to the beginning of 2020, go back to 2019 where it was a regular church service and we were together. We're a church that if you count everybody on the rolls, everybody, we're about 200 people. We can count everybody on the rolls. We're not a large church. We know each other by name. These are 200 people that we care about, that we have sat in each other's homes and we've had meals together and we've shared stuff together. This has been an incredibly taxing year for Mark and myself. And I know Mark and Barbara, because they're a little bit freer, have done a little bit more of the extra trying to contact others who are not here in community right now. I've been working on the backside of things, working on the setting things up and and getting people together and working with the people who are here to create our children's church all over again and to do all the things that we're still struggling with here at the beginning of 2021. And it's taken a lot of extra time that we, we would normally reserve for talking to other people, visiting other people, checking on those who are homebound, which now has increased tenfold because of this pandemic. And hearing from some of the people who are online saying, well, we'll be back. You have no problem with that. We'll definitely do that. And we appreciate that confidence that someday when you're ready, you'll be back. But I'm just going to tell you, I miss you. And I haven't heard from you. It's been a one-way communication. Me and my dad, for, for years, we'd go back and forth. He loves for me to call him about once a week. Um, I don't always, and I'm not always able to do that, especially busy seasons like camp season and the like. But once a week, he would, he would call. And one of our big arguments that we had, sorry, Dad, I'm talking about our arguments. I know you don't like that. But still, uh, one of the arguments that we would have is that there was a season, there was a time, and it didn't last for a super long time, but there was a time that he would always wait for my phone call for him. And if I didn't call him, he would get upset that I didn't call him. And I would try to remind him, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I have a wife, I have three kids that I'm, I've got in the house and differing levels of maturity where they're at. 
my, my plate's full and my life is pretty busy. I don't mean to ignore, even though you're my dad, I don't want to ignore. But sometimes my life is just really, really busy. And if the, the measure of our relationship and my love for you is only when I call you, that's not much of a relationship. If the interaction between me and Mark and the rest of our congregation is dependent upon me and Mark contacting you, but never you contacting us, how much of a relationship and how much of the body of Christ do you consider us to be? Not a guilty point, just something to realize that relationship is a two-way street, not a one-way street. If you find yourself at home and we haven't talked to you in 10 months, that means we haven't heard from you in 10 months. We miss your voice. We miss your face. Those little conversations that happen in the congregation, those of you who are here today, I won't get to see all of you, but in the course of weeks, I get to see all of you, right? I get to ask questions. How are things going? What's going on with your life? How can I pray for you? Because I do. I've missed that for everybody who is not physically here and hasn't been here for 10 months. I need that as a pastor. Whether you're fine or not, I'm not. And I'm just as much a part of the body of Christ as you are. And Mark is just as much a part of the body of Christ as you are. And if you're waiting to feel validated, and again, I'm not trying to say this in a mean way. I really am not. But if you're waiting to be validated by us to show our love for you, and it's only a one-way street, what kind of relationship is that? And some of you we haven't heard from at all in 10 months. Not a guilt trip. Really not a guilt trip. But a realization that you, by being part of this community, to love God is to realize that you're part of a community and that community is a two-way street. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus is in the upper room talking to his disciples. And he says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The one another is a believer-to-believer interaction. Every one another in Scripture. Those of you who have been through our newcomers class, we go through all the one another's and we talk about it. One another is believer-to-believer interaction. And part of fulfilling the great commission and why we say love God, love God's people, love serving God and have it spill out from this place is because Jesus said all men will know you're my disciples first and foremost if you love each other first. The believers, we have this strange thing in our culture right now where we try to show love to the non-believer in Christ first, which is really strange. We want to show that Jesus loves everyone, so we have to do more for the homeless. I'm not against helping the homeless. We need to do more for those who are in nursing homes. I am not against helping those who are in nursing homes. But if you're not helping those who are hurting in that same manner within the body of Christ, how is anybody going to recognize that when you reach out, once they come in and they're forgotten, who wants that type of love? Right? I didn't come into the body of Christ to be forgotten, to be part of the body of Christ. We have members in our own congregation who are in nursing homes. How many of you who are members of our congregation? We have directories that that, uh, Barbara puts together. Paul, why I said Paul, I have no idea. Barbara puts them together. Every one of you should have a directory. Every one of you should know the people of Heights and know what's going on. I'm not saying you have to know all 200 people. But man, you should know a number of them. And if they're missing, you should be reaching out. Whether you're in this congregation physically right now, it's just as much your responsibility to reach out to them. It's not just me and Mark's. And it's not just a one-way street when it comes to me and Mark. 
Nobody comes to the body of believers to be forgotten within the body of believers. If you want the world to see Jesus in us and the Great Commission preached, it's got to begin right here in this place with these people. Because until we know how to do it among our people, we won't know how to do it to the world around us. That's why love God includes all in community. But don't forget, I'm part of that community. I'm not just leading the community. Mark isn't just leading the community as if we don't have needs of our own to hear from you. We do. We need calls. Check up on us. Ask how we're doing. Tell us how you're doing. I've received very few of those calls from anyone in our congregation. Not just the online people. Not trying to guilt trip anybody. But this is community. And we have to understand that community happens in the midst of that. Second part of our mission statement is to love God's people. We say that this is this community where we're starting together in is great, but we're supposed to dive in deeper with one another and with our relationship with Christ. And so we provide life groups. And one of the things that's happened this year is that we've had a number of people be very, very creative in trying to continue that continuity of life groups amidst these harrowing circumstances that we find ourselves in. With many of you who are not comfortable with meeting together yet, and I totally get that. I really do. And so we have at least three life groups right now who in some form or fashion, either a hybrid model as the Sunday morning life group is doing, or fully online as two of our other life groups are doing right now. So you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. Just schedule out a time where you and your family can actually connect with the body of Christ and grow in Jesus Christ together and grow in relationship to one another. We've tried to make it so very easy for you in the midst of this, no matter what your disposition is. Some of you want to meet in person. We have those too. Some of you might be willing to meet in person for a life group, but not willing to come to a large congregation meeting. And I totally get that. But this is part of what it means to be part of heights, part of understanding how to love one another is to get involved in each other's lives and not just participate virtually from a distance. God wants you involved and growing. It's been 10 months, and my concern and Pastor Mark's concern is very simple. The longer that you stay in this position of being distant and not participating, the easier it is to drop altogether because you're not really in relationship you're in a holding pattern God doesn't take a year off from the great commission just because it got a little harder for us to meet together we love serving God Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 says this So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Supposed to love serving God. God is giving you talents, gifts, and abilities. You're supposed to be exercising them. I read it from the scriptures so that you can become mature. There's only so much you and I can do by sitting down and taking in. Whether you're taking in sitting down here or sitting down at home and taking in online. And we've tried some creative things to keep you guys involved. And that's why I say you should get a directory. You should be calling people. If you're at home, You have time on your hands. If you can't meet 
Personally, you can absolutely call people and ask how you can pray for them so that you're not disconnected from the body. We're called to be in community to encourage one another in faith. And again, I tell you, it's not a one-way street because I do know this. The people who have been here have had to work extra hard to keep things going. Whether it's been worship time, whether it's been reinventing children's church, what doesn't matter. We spent a lot of extra time doing that. It's not a matter of anybody ignoring you. It's saying that the needs of the people who are here by the absence of people who are not here for whatever reasons, whether you're worried about who you're caring for, whether you're worried about yourself and, and, and where you're at, I get it. I really do. But you're still part of the body of Christ. You're still called to serve if you're part of Heights Christian Church because these three things are needed of loving God, loving God's people, love serving God in order for us to fulfill the Great Commission. That's why we came up with this mission statement. It's why it was our mission statement in 2020, despite all the craziness. And it's why it will continue to be our mission statement in 2021 and 2022 until Mark and I get thrown out of the church, put out to pastor, pastor, pastor. If I'm putting out to pastor, I guess I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm putting out to pasture. That's probably more accurate. Okay. But we're called to serve. We're called to use our talents and gifts. And and that's part of the the reason for the cards right here. You know what I love? Mana Sakura. One of our ones stuck in one of those places right now. And I know she's watching because she texts me during the service. Okay? Not this service, but some services. She's like, I'm here. You know what she did as soon as I introduced the cards? She went to her director at her place and said, hey, can we get these cards to the people who are here? Because they're all shut up. Can we get the cards to them? Can we, can we do the, the written cards and get the New Testaments to these people? Because these people need the hope of Jesus Christ. You know what Mana is doing right now? She is being the church by serving within the body of Christ, seeing us as her family, connecting with us. We know what's going on in Mana's life because Mana is contacting me. I haven't contacted her near as much as she's contacted me because that's what relationship does. And she's ready to reach out in the name of Jesus, not worried about her circumstance. All of you who are at home, same challenge to you. You can come here, pick up these on your own time, away from everybody else, write them up, and have them back here next Sunday, not next Monday. You missed the time runoff if you listen to Mark's uh, charge earlier. He said next Monday, it's next Sunday. Bring them next Sunday. We'll be able to be hope for people in reaching out. It's okay, Mark. You called so many people out today, I can call you out. (laughs) We have the opportunity to serve where we are. We might have to be creative about it, but the Great Commission is still our commission. We're supposed to be doing it. We're supposed to be growing in community so that when whether it's a vaccine or whether it's just timing, you guys are tired of being at home, whatever it is that that, that marker is that you're waiting for to come back, you're actually coming back to a community you recognize because you're a part of it. And those of you who are here right now are getting more involved so that you're part of a community that is growing in the grace of Jesus Christ to proclaim the message of Christ to a world around us that needs to know about Him. We spent far too much time, just like Noah said, talking about things that are not gospel-driven in 2020. I'm ready to keep my eyes on Jesus. I really, really am. So turn with me. Matthew chapter 28. Last verses, last verses, last words of Jesus before he goes up to heaven. We said it many times, we'll continue to say it because the Great Commission is where we get our mission statement. And so the last words of Jesus begin this way, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Something that I want to unpack for these last few minutes here. 
of the Great Commission, connecting it to our mission statement so you see how all of this goes together and how it's supposed to help us when we have these challenging times in 2021 where everybody wants us to be quiet about the Great Commission, that that's not the issue of the age. The world doesn't care about the church, but Jesus does. It's important to note that this begins and ends with the presence and the authority of Jesus Christ. He begins by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And he ends it by saying, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. With these two promises is buttressed what we know as the Great Commission, but we can't overlook that it begins with the presence of Christ in our life and the authority of Christ in our commissioning to go out and tell everybody. That should be more than enough for every one of us to share Christ to somebody this year. And then he goes from there and he talks about, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The action of this is to make disciples. And the beauty of this is that it's cased in the authority and presence of God. And the definition of how to make disciples is within the very statement that Jesus says. Therefore, go. Going's a little harder right now. All of us don't feel like we can go, but I don't see anything in that verse in that command of God that gives us the idea that we can stay. So maybe we have to be creative in our going. Maybe we go online. Maybe we call people a little bit more. Maybe we're calling somebody so that we can have the opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do a, a, you know, a Zoom call, or we do it on Jitsi, or we do a Facebook, you know, Facebook connection call, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. But going is something we're still called to do. If you want to make disciples, you can't do it without going. It's impossible to do it. You can't sit at home, or you can't sit in your pew, or you can't sit in front of your TV and hope that somebody's going to call you and say, I just wanted to call you, and I just had this dream about Jesus, and I know that I, 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 know that I think that you're a Christian. Could you walk me through that? That's not going to happen to 99.9% of us. If you're part of that 0.1%, God is really wanting you to go. And if you're not part of that 0.1%, he still wants you to go because it's his command. You don't get to take the year off. You still have to go. And that includes all those hard conversations that Natasha Crane in her article talks about we don't want to get into. We have to go, because without going, we don't get to do the second thing on there, which is baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If you have the opportunity to share Christ with somebody this year, you also have the opportunity for them to accept Christ this year. And you walking them through that, here's one of the things that you should know about Heights Christian Church. That baptismal is not a Mark and Jeremy baptizing people only place. Never has been. Because the Great Commission is for everybody. Every single person in this room who calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ is called to fulfill the Great Commission. And for you to fulfill the Great Commission is for you to lead somebody to a knowledge of Christ that they might make the decision to be baptized. And then when they come in and they talk with Mark and myself... And we explain to make sure that they understand what baptism is. And we ask them, who do you want to baptize? My prayer is not that they say my name, unless I've had a huge hand in them doing that. It's that they say yours. Man, it would be so great. Trinidad, you've had such an impact on my life. I would love it if you would baptize me. You and Sherry Ann being up there in the baptismal waters with me would be awesome. Because he's called to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to see him up there and doing that. But that doesn't happen unless he goes, right? 
The making of disciples requires the going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that they might say, I want to identify with Christ through baptism. Parents, it should be every one of your goals as a parent to say, I want to be able to baptize my children. You know why? Because they've heard from Jesus from me. So when they talk to Pastor Jeremy and they talk to Pastor Mark and we find out that they're ready for that step of baptism because of their commitment in Jesus Christ, that you know what we say? Who do you want to do it? We want our mom and dad to do it. Why? Because they've had the impact on my life to do that. And as parents, we should want to do that with our kids. As a matter of fact, this time where you're more hunkered down than ever before, man, you should take advantage of the opportunity you have your kids there to disciple them. For those of you who know me, I got these two blueprints that I have been writing and printing up for you. This is second edition, better than the first edition. I've been writing these up for parents to help them walk their children through this. If you don't have the current ones, come get them because they're better than the first ones. Um, they're more robust. It has everything the first one has and more. Woohoo! <laughs> the beauty of it is, though, the five-year plans for anybody, not just for parents, for anybody, because if you can walk through this, you can walk anybody else through it. You'll know how to disciple somebody. That's what we're called to do. They're free, by the way. They don't cost anything. Discipleship should cost us everything in one sense and nothing in another. And finally, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you doesn't end with conversion. It's not like we just baptize them and then that's over with. We want to see them robustly grow in their faith in Jesus Christ, which means they continue to learn. They continue to grow in Jesus Christ. Can you see where the love God, love God's people, love serving God fits with all of this? And it's got to start in-house. It's got to start here. It's got to start in our families. It's got to start in our community first. And if we can build this community right according to the way that God wants us to do, then we will be much better prepared to reach out to a world that needs Jesus in 2021 because we've weathered this storm and we've learned the lessons that come from it. And it's not going to make it easy, but we're going to have the support that we need from the community that matters most it's why love God love God's people love serving God isn't going away anytime soon it's why we're called to do that even in our current state of affairs it will help us because times are going to get more challenging guys and your encouragement is going to come from this place these like-minded people seeking out God. But we got to learn to love each other. We do. Not a one-way street type of love. Self-sacrificially giving to one another. Calling each other up. And if a stray thought comes into your mind of saying, hey, I haven't heard from Pastor Jeremy in a while. Maybe God is telling you to call me instead. Maybe I need the encouragement. Because I have needed it sorely in 2020. We are the body of Christ. God wants to bring us into maturity. And whether you are online or whether you are here in person, you have agreed, if you are a member of Heights Christian Church, to be a part of that community. I want to see our community grow stronger. Whether I see more people in the seats or not, I want to see our community grow stronger because we're more connected to one another. We're praying for one another. And nobody is getting left out. If we're able to do that, I think we'll be much better equipped to reach the world for Jesus. What do you guys think? Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the reminder, at least in my own heart, Lord, that the Great Commission is still our commission, will always be our commission. You've called us into the body of Christ that we, and when one part suffers, all the parts suffer 
with it. Let us not forget that, Lord. Whether we're online and we we seem distant, we should make every effort to be part of that body so that we're sharing in each other's joys, that we're praying for each other in those times of hardship, dear Heavenly Father, that we're encouraging one another. Lord, we are the body of Christ. There is nobody in this body of Heights Christian Church who's made a commitment to be a part of our church who is excluded from that. Help us, dear Heavenly Father, to know each other better, Lord. And not just be dependent upon waiting on somebody to call us. May we be forward in understanding that being part of community is a two-way street. It makes for much better fellowship and much better relationship. Help us, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, to grow stronger during this year. So that we'll be ready to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a very lost and hurting world by looking first to the example that's here at Heights of how we love one another so we know how to love the world the way Jesus would love the world. I just pray, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'll bring our fellowship and our community back together in healing again. And 2021, You're preparing us for something great, for reaching others, for Jesus Christ. Lift it up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just to let you guys know, day after New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, my dad called me. Because we'd established that it was much better when we talk to one another he didn't even call me to rag me about Clemson losing so bad matter of fact he told me he was the biggest Clemson fan and was really disappointed you know how all that happened through a connectedness one to another establishing community the way God designed it to be I pray that for our congregation. I really, really do. I pray that for me and Mark. I really do. I know many of you pray for us as leaders. We need more than your prayers. We're a part of this community. We are a part of this community. We need to be called on and checked on just as much as we wish to do for you. Think of those people that we're missing. Those of you who are here, look around. Get a directory. Text directory to that number, 505-207-4443. If you're a member of the church, Barbara will get it to you. Think about who we're missing and who you need to check up on. Those of you online, think about who you're missing seeing. Check up on us. Find out how we're doing. God bless you guys. Let us live in community.